Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Joe, I'm back from the lake. I'm ready for a whole episode. Is your phone charged? Are you ready for me? Yeah. Oddly enough, my phone is charged this week. Um, it was just... I mean, I'm the one doing it from afar last week, and then it ended up, other than starting late, you are much more the problem than I was. But that's fine. I mean, that's that's what happens. It's it's a summer podcast, uh, so, you know, things are going to get weird, and that's fine. It was like the um, one week where my phone's not fully charged, and it was like, you were yeah. like, oh, by the way, I need to do this over phone. And I was looking at my phone, and I was like, ah, okay, I'll just plug it in and charge it while we're doing this. And unfortunately, that created a feedback problem. So that wasn't an option. And then, uh, yeah, there was some non-podcast friendly language going on inside my head when that was happening. So. I, no, I, I caught I caught wind of some of it. So that was good. You did. Um, before we started recording, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back this week for you listeners and uh, going to, you know, talk about all the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. But uh, Joe, what... What's caught your interest most this week in sports? I know, you know, we didn't have a lot to root for in the local stuff, um, but, you know, what what final were you really watching out for the most? What team did you think was going to, you know, take us the furthest for Augusta County? Okay, we're talking local. All right, local. I'll be honest. I kind of thought one of the Riverheads teams would win um, just because I've become accustomed to seeing – Riverheads teams get into a state championship, not necessarily um, because they're our best local team, but because the competition they're going up against isn't as good. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Uh, they they got to a state semi um, and then kind of uh, crashed out. Or no, excuse me, that's um, that's not softball. Girls soccer got to a state semi, didn't they? And then they crashed out there. Yeah, um, honestly, tennis is where if, if I were going to take what you just said and try to apply it to what I thought was going to happen, tennis is where I was really hopeful. Yeah. You know, they had kind of had that big test in the regular season from Wilson. I really thought that was going to set them up well for the class one. Then it turns into class two competition that they would see. And, and they made it really far. The, the team got to the state quarterfinals. They got to host that. Um, and then, um, excuse me, state semifinals. And then they lost that at home uh, or at the Mary Baldwin courts. But that was kind of the team sport that I really thought had the best chance to maybe make that noise. And they got right there on the edge of it. Great season, nonetheless. I mean, just can't take that away from them. Uh, Bruton was a very good team. They lost in the state finals. But, you know, still, they were right up there competing with with uh, the state contenders there. I thought, if not the team, maybe we'd get some of those individuals in. Caden Swats. He uh, lost his singles opportunity in the semis. The state, the doubles uh, team from Riverhead, Swats and Higgins, they lost in the state final. I believe the same as they did last year. So right there on the edge of winning state championships, beat by some really good tennis play there for class two. And that and that's what's tough for Riverheads, you know, where they have been, where they're playing class one, but class one doesn't have enough boy tennis players to support a class one state championship. So they get bumped up into class two and they held their own. And, and that, that gives me hope, not just in tennis, but across a lot of sports. Cause I'd see how Riverheads is tested playing the bigger schools, you know, schools that have significantly more students than them. They, they step up to that challenge. You saw that this week with the boys tennis and I, I commend them for it. While we're talking about the boys tennis, tennis, Wilson, uh, Connor Miller, he lost his state 
semi-match there down at Virginia Tech last Friday. Uh, so he comes up just short. So we have really good tennis at the top there with Riverheads and Wilson. And Riverheads has come up. This has been a, a surge from them. On the girls' side, you know, Waynesboro and, and, and Wilson have had their good stretch. I know Buffalo Gap, and, and they'll stay at the Class 1 level in the future, but they had a singles on the girls' side with Alex Degrassi, and then also she was involved in a doubles uh, pairing with Haslett, uh, both lost in state semis, both opportunities there for her in different ways, lost in the state semis. So I think those three teams are kind of the teams we'll talk about most in the tennis next year, Wilson, Riverheads boys, Buffalo Gap girls, and we'll still mention Waynesboro too next year. But I, I thought a good showing, and that's where I thought that's where we're going to get a state championship uh, other than where I thought first. I was really pulling for, and maybe not maybe not like planning for, but hoping for. I thought that Wilson girls soccer team was really on a Yeah, surge. I was going to say, that was the other team I was looking at. Yeah. After, especially after we saw Lafayette beat. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the new well, Lafayette who end up taking them out, but the that's, new name is uh, tripping me up here on uh, the high school formula Meridian. They Lafayette yeah. beat Meridian, and then when I saw Meridian lost, I was like, mm, okay. I mean, Lafayette's obviously good, but this is good for Wilson, and, and then yeah. Lafayette beat Wilson as well. So, um, yeah, it's a tough break for the the girls soccer team there for the Hornets, but still a, a solid showing to get to a state semifinal and. Obviously, we'll hope they can continue that success next year. But, you know, as we touched on before this region tournament, our concerns of them getting through it were it's a really tough region. It's it's hard to repeat. Yes, but I think a good building of that program, I think that boys side has been getting a lot more attention in these previous years. Mm-hmm. So a great run by the girls. And and sometimes I, I kind of give some credit to those teams because because I played on one of those teams, one of those, you know, barrier breakdown teams you know no team in augusta county had won a football state championship until that 2000 riverheads team that i was on so when i see one of these teams really surging the the way that wilson girls did undefeated through the season 16 and uh oh and three on the season uh and until their loss there uh in the final hey when the only game you lose is your last game you know it was a great season you just you do have that heartbreak that you made it that far but before you got that loss but i i really i really thought they could have maybe surprised the world kind of kind of thing and kind of showed up and and won that. But yeah, they fall and and Brentsville District ends up winning that uh class three girls, uh class two girls won by Clark County. That's a perennial program on both sides, boys and girls in soccer. And then class one Eastern Montgomery beat Auburn in an all region C there for the girls soccer. Uh, while we're talking about soccer, the boys, Meridian, that's that's the perennial there on the boys' side. They beat Charlottesville. Uh, that's our region C team. That's that's who Wilson and Stanton were going to be up against there real early. Um, and then they had Glenver in class two and Northampton in class one. Uh, I mentioned their class one. Um, they beat Westmoreland. Westmoreland's the team that knocked Riverheads boys out. Uh, Westmoreland was the team on the girls side that Riverheads beat. And that's that was one of the teams I think you were kind of hitting at that you thought maybe that Riverheads team might make a run there. They lost to Auburn. And that's the that's not an embarrassment when a team loses to Auburn in the spring sports. That's kind of the ex, ex, what's expected uh, because of how good Auburn sports are in the spring. I believe that's what Buffalo gap did there in the state semifinals for softball. And that's where riverheads has been. We've seen a lot of our region one B champions or, you know, top contenders from region one B 
go on to play Auburn in a spring sport, even some of these winter sports on the girls' side. And here, Buffalo Gap softball does just that. Their season ends to a one nothing loss to Auburn, and then Auburn goes on and beats Rye Cove. Um, so, you know, Buffalo Gap softball, again, second year in a row, really made a run in the postseason. I was holding out hope that they could do it, just came up against that good Auburn team. And uh, so great season there. Holly Desper, she's the new coach there. So as I said, the last two years they've made this postseason run, she kept that spirit alive where, you know, they kind of take some lumps during the regular season, maybe a game or two there that you think they should have won in the district. But then postseason, they just come alive, win the region, go to the state semis there and really put up a great fight against Auburn. Auburn is a team that usually does. Uh, yeah. If it's not one of our teams, um, when getting into that state championship, that's the team that you see. Um, and, and so not terribly surprising to see them get in there and then win it. Yeah. But still heartbreaking for Buffalo Gap, who, uh, you know, I think had realistic expectations of at that point uh, winning a state championship just because yeah, and, of what they had been able to accomplish in the region yeah. tournament and set themselves up for, you know, a, an okay bracket. They they win that state quarterfinal on the road, which is tough. And then, you know, you're playing Auburn, and obviously we we wish that game went differently, but still, good season. Absolutely. And, and you know, they're the last team playing in softball again for the uh, – I believe that's the second year in a row. I think uh, I think maybe Fort Defiance was playing the same, same game as them last year. But there is Buffalo Gap with that softball playing late in the season, kind of looking ahead just a touch. You know, we saw Stewart's draft – uh, finish the season as the regular district ch champion. Um, but also the other teams are going to look at next year, Riverheads, because they're there every year, and Fort Defiance. And the interesting things about those two teams, they'll both be coming to the Class 2. Riverheads coming up from Class 1, Fort Defiance coming down from Class 2. Fort Defiance obviously going to be doing that without their head coach, Todd Wood, who stepped down last week. Uh, he spent, I, I think it was nine or ten seasons there at Fort Defiance. He was a podcast guest. Um, and, and a great coach there. And, and so good luck to him and his future and the time he spends uh, not at the softball field. I know that was a big part of their family's life there. Uh, and so a big adjustment coming for them, not going to be out on the softball field all evening, all spring, but a great job there at Fort Defiance. And uh, so he'll move on. But still, those four teams for softball, I think that's who we're going to be talking about next year again. And looking back, those are the four teams we were talking about coming into this season. Maybe missing Wilson there, but, you know, I think those four teams are going to be really interesting to watch next year. Buffalo Gap on their own in Class 1, how Class 2 shakes out with these three other teams, Stewart's Draft, Riverheads, and Fort Defiance. And I think this year we really looked at Stewart's Draft because they are the only team in Class 2B. What can they do against Strasburg or Page County, those teams that seem to always be deep from the Bull Run District? I think Riverheads and Fort Defiance will really play a, a bigger role in that next year. And I think it'll be a shakeup to the high school softball scene in the um, region to be there. Yep. I would agree. Baseball is kind of, we saved it for last. Cause I just, we just didn't get much out of baseball this year. Riverheads was the last team playing. They lose in the state quarter to Middlesex. That's a home game that they lost there three to one. And, uh, while it's a disappointment, I think it does set up for a lot of expectations and hopes in future years because so many of their primetime players on that team this year were underclassmen, weren't seniors. They're going to have a lot of guys back. Next year, when we start listing off the names everybody's familiar with, Riverhead's going to have the most to list because they had two pitchers that they were go-to pitchers that were freshmen and sophomores. They had all kinds of guys all around the field, just not, not seniors. So that's going to return the most, but – 
we're not going to get too far in the conversation without Wilson because Wilson has won this district three years in a row. Uh, these last two years, winning it going away by you know three or four games. They're going to be returning a lot of guys that we know too because they have that program just churning where there's never a year where they have seven seniors that they're dependent on. They always have you know a ladder of guys going down through the different grades that can really um, help them. So Wilson will be the front runner next year to win this district again. But again, seeing Riverheads go into Class Two, what can they do there? I, I'm confident they'll be competitive and and, and you know show up. Uh, Fort Defiance, you know, that was a team that was, you know, underperforming this year. Next year, you know, they'll have a good amount of guys come back. They lose some talent off that team, but that's been a program that's been building and, and continually being good. So I, I wouldn't expect them just to fall off by any means next year. What does class two do for them as well? But also, can they get through the season without injury bugs that bit them this year? I mean, when when they kind of got people, when they got used to who they had and, you know, they got some guys back from injury, there they go and upset Wilson in the postseason and, and kind of, you know, show the spark that we were looking for them all season. Can they build off that for next year? So, you know, and, the, and these diamond sports, I kind of wanted to take a second to look ahead. And I think those are the three, four teams that we're looking at first. Um, you know, I didn't even mention Buffalo Gap and, and they were up there at eight and four, just like Riverheads and Fort Defiance kind of right behind uh, what Wilson was doing. So those are the teams we're going to talk about first when we talk about this next year. But, you know, overall, I this is one where I'll say I kind of give it to you, Joe, that you're right. I, I, you know, I'm trying to turn in who can do what out of baseball and, you know, iron sharpens iron or whatever those phrases that I was probably spitting out a month ago. And, and it didn't pan out. And, you know, other times, I, you know, I think I've argued that way and we've had more success. Or I think last year with uh, Stewart's draft going deep in baseball, you know, that was the surprise. And that's what we could use. But this year, no examples of that. Only getting one team to the state playoffs. That's not what this district's used to doing for baseball. So we'll, we'll see if they're able to collectively step back up next year and see if we can get, you know, two different um, classifications with state play like we were hoping for this year. I mean, we, we, we start the season always hoping for three different classifications, but let's see if we can get two next year. And they're going to have to be better. I mean, that's the thing. They can't do what they did this year. They're going to have to be better. Um, you know, and I think they can. I mean, that's my optimistic way of looking at it. But uh, it's just got to be better than it was this year to kind of get back to form of what we had three, four years ago. Yeah, I mean, sure, th that's possible. And I, I hope they are better next year. I, I hate that I was right that we didn't have teams going very deep in the postseason. Um Again, I, I when I say that, I usually preface that by saying, you know, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I wasn't. And again, uh, you know, my my fears were validated a little bit this postseason, yeah. which is unfortunate. My my concern for the future would be Riverheads is moving up. So one B, which is historically not very good, is only going to have one team in it now. So Buffalo Gap has to be better than the rest of those teams, which not a high bar to hurdle, but that's one team. Riverheads is now going up to 2B, which is historically much better than 1B. So it's going to be tougher. Now, Riverheads is a good baseball team, but it's going to be much a much tougher postseason than they have seen before. Can they avoid yep. those stumbling? Because, again, when, and this is my problem when we're talking about teams, our teams outside of 1B, 1B is so bad. Like, Riverheads can have, you know, just one or two guys that can go that are good starters and still get through that one B tournament because that third guy is probably better than whatever that other team's third guy is. When you get to that next level, all of a sudden, you know, the page counties, the East rocks, 
it gets a lot more difficult. And, and these teams are also built for success and have a long historical run of success. So that's where is your two as good as their two. And then when you get to the threes, can you, can you manage a bullpen game and help, you know, heaven help you if you slip up with your ace or your number two and they have a rough game. That's, that's yeah. the problem. And one B you can survive that to be not as easy. Yeah. We'll see what they're able to do. I mean, they've, Riverhead's had a long time now where they've been a good baseball program. They're going to have to step up. I think Fort Defines, I think, is the interesting one because of them not matching expectations and then kind of going to class two where I'm not saying it's a lot easier than class three. I think I think the difference between class two and three is closer than the difference between class two and one, to, to reiterate your point, um, that Riverhead's going to have to jump up more Fortifiance more needs to kind of match the expectations and 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 get to doing what we think they can do and the talent level that we see come out of there. I mean, they get they put guys at the next level for baseball every year. They're sending them all over the state and the region uh, to play college baseball. So they they have to kind of pull that together and get something out of it because it, it's really been four years now since I feel like Fortifiance baseball has kind of been at the level that we thought they were going to be lead into that 2020 season that year before they were really good they had a lot of pump patrick height was you know in the dugout in yeah. in march there getting you know behind the scenes stories because they really felt like that was going to be a run coming off that 19 great run they they haven't really panned out ever since then so i'm interested to see what they do there as well plenty of good storylines next year um we'll be happy to talk about it then uh but track before we get out of here i wanted to talk about track uh just the coverage was hard to get a whole lot this year. So I really wanted to make sure we took a second, talked about some of the top finishers here in our area in track because track is such an important sport um, in the area, in the state. It produces so much good talent. Riverhead, Summer Wallace, we've talked about her for years. She got second in high jump to finish off her high school career. So a great way to finish that up, a, a nice high medal there. The boys, four by one, here's a state champion. Four by 400, excuse me, relay team for the boys. They win. Also, Nolan Tyree, third on the pole vault. That's all the class one high finishers that we had. Class two, Stewart's draft had uh, two athletes, three high medals. That was Anna Callow, first pole vault, Abby uh, Mikolay, third discus, second shot put. So some great efforts there. Uh, I believe she was also top finisher for the Cougars a year ago. That's all the class two actually had. Class three, two different teams. We had some finishers that were worth mentioning here. Fort Defiance, Katie Ruiz, second uh, in the 400-meter dash. Abby Lane, we've talked about her a lot in cross country, third in the 1,600-meter. And then I'm sure those girls involved there in the girls' 4 by 400 first team, or first play, uh, finish, excuse me, and then the girls' 4 by 800 first finish. So that's a couple top finishing there for some relay teams. Uh, for Fort Defiance. And then Stanton, uh, Malaya Cable, we talked a lot about him, and he's committed to the Hokies for track, who it's a great track program there down in Blacksburg. He's going there, finishing in the state, third in the long jump, third in the high jump. He's also had a lot of accolades away from the VHSL meets. So really interested to see that local athlete go play uh, Division One, run Division One track and uh, jump and triple jump and high jump and whatever jumping he wants to do. Uh, he's so good at it. So I wanted to highlight track there. Uh, we did not cover it well through the season. I'm not going to take the blame on that, but uh, it's, it was what reality was, but uh, 
Great job there by all the athletes. We talked about all the local high schools um, there with the great sports season, spring sports season. I'm going to have to retroactively kind of look at the uh, Yak Cup here. Uh, it feels like another Wilson <laughs> win here. Um, Fort, I think it was Wilson first, Fort Defiance second a year ago. I think Wilson might have had a maybe a little bit bigger of a gap this year uh, with their finishes. But we'll look at Yak Cup within the next month here um, and uh, talk about that and collectively who we had the best season here for the district winners here. But uh, a great, great performances throughout the whole school year. I mean, not just limited to spring. There's been a lot of great performances throughout the year, but it's also it felt like a um, uh, what do you call that when, when it's like your your last year. Um, you know, the governor for Virginia always has it because uh, he can't duck. do anything. You know, he's he's on his way out. Lame duck. Uh, so lame duck. It felt kind of like a lame duck season here in a way with so many teams switching with Riverheads going to Class Two, Fort Defiance coming down. Just all the even when you look at the bull run district and everything else, all the stuff kind of shifting. It felt like a lot of teams last year. So I'm, I'm really excited about next year. I think everybody was looking ahead already. I was too. I think next year is going to be a lot of fun with a lot of teams in new places, and it'll be fun to break down post seasons and all that with some different matchups happening. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, after we have a chance to look at the Yak Cup standings and stuff, we'll we'll go back next week, and that'll be next week. Will be kind of a a year review. Yeah. Uh, taking a look at the whole year fall next week or so, yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair next week or so i it's mean summer's june. a long time in, in june we'll get to this <laughs> yeah it june's a long month and so is july so at some point this summer we'll take a look back at the whole school year and and let you know our favorite moments um the yeah. moment the teams that we think maybe have the best future and um yeah and so on so our normal summer wrap-up leland no surprise moving things over to college that Oklahoma wins the women's college world series again, yeah. just pure domination. If they're not playing somebody from Harrisonburg, that's a, that's about as yeah, we, we need to get that JMU team back in there and, and let them play them again. Um, that's about as dominant as a program that we've seen in a, like a three-year period across college. I mean, it, it reminds you of UConn runs and, um, yeah, I'm running out of lists here. <laughs> like, I mean, there really is at that level. Because, I mean, you could talk about the Florida Gators in football. That was two years. So, you know, what USC did, you know, that was two years. Like, this is a three-year absolutely dominant run where it, it seems like they're getting better and better. I mean, it was amazing to me. One of their best players hit the transfer portal today and is going back home to Nebraska. That is a shocker. I mean, that feels like you know, Reggie Bush <laughs> transferring in the middle of that run. But I don't know, just absolutely dominance there from Oklahoma. And, you know, like like every dominant team in college, they're not Virginia Tech, so I don't like them. And I, I, want, it, I want it to run. I want it to end. You know, you get the articles. Is it good for college softball and this and that? I, I'm quick. I'm not quick to say it's bad for these sports because I think you got to kind of have the the – the dark side, you got to have the Darth Vader to knock off. You need, you know, the, in these coming years, who can knock off Oklahoma? That can be your storyline. And that's real easy. And I, and I don't think it's bad to have teams. We don't like in the girls basketball this year with LSU. And I know this isn't a dominant run like Oklahoma's on, but you know, the women's basketball, I didn't like LSU. And, but like that, it, I think it makes it good going into next year that we start the season with who can take down LSU defending defending um, 
national championship. So I, I'm, I think this is fine for Oklahoma to be on it. I can't wait for it to end. I can't wait for someone to bust it up, but I don't think it's bad for the sport. And, um, you know, Florida State, they were awesome in the ACC, and I think right there shows the difference. What the top team in the ACC was this year was Florida State, and, and they got swept two games, get out of here, by Oklahoma. It's just how far advanced Oklahoma is above the ACC and above most of the rest of college softball. It's going to take another SEC team to beat them, really. Um, I, I disagree. I, I do think it hurts softball in terms of general fans. Um, I, I, I think women's basketball, part of the, and there's a lot of reasons for the increased support of women's sports and so, and then women's softball is seeing an increased viewership and more fans. And do you think it's because UConn isn't top dog? I, I do. I think the, the parody has helped that sport. I mean, we talked about LSU. LSU was not the favorite going into that tournament. South Carolina no. was the favorite and, and South Carolina had a nice little winning streak. But South Carolina didn't have a streak of like four straight national titles or three straight national titles. And um, I think that's the difference here. It's, you know, if Nick Saban during his dynasty never lost a national championship, like always won a national championship during that run, then we'd be saying, is Alabama good for college football? And the answer is no. We talk about this all the time. Is it good for college football that we can pencil in three teams into the four-team playoff before it ever kicks off? No, that's not good for college football. Um, mm. It's good for those programs, but it's not good for college football. And um, it's just football is a sport that can survive that. Uh, but softball is still, you know, a growing fan base. It's it's something that I think is actually hurting the growth of F1. You know, does it help that Max Verstappen wins every race? No, it doesn't. Yeah, people... It builds, you know, a fan base against well, what him. What does his teammate does? <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's still this. Yeah, it's the same team. So I, I know a Red Bull is yeah. going to win, and I know I have a pretty good chance that that Red Bull is going to be Max Verstappen. That doesn't help it. So I, I do think parity is good. Yes, you can have that dominant team, but that dominant team needs to slip up occasionally. Yeah. And, and Oklahoma just just hasn't. They've been too dominant recently. Um, you said an SEC like team, 52, 52 straight games. Yeah. You said an SEC team. I, I think, you know, UCLA is a team that not being in the women's college world series this year really made it easy for Oklahoma. That was the team. I think folks thought maybe had a shot and now they're going to go to the big 10. So who knows, um, that, that, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you, I saw it. I wish I had saved it and sent it to you. Like this is not related to softball but it's going to be a problem for softball and other UCLA sports in general. But the amount of distance UCLA football is going to cover this year is stupid. They go from Hawaii to Rutgers. That's like not this year. It's year after next, right? Uh, they just put out the schedule. I, I, I'm pretty sure because they just put out the, like the look ahead schedule for the Big Ten um, and their pods and stuff because they, they're not going, they're getting away from divisions. I think that's what came out recently. They're not in the pack in the big 10 next year, but point made. Yeah. The travel is going to be crazy when they are going across country all the time. I, they have a road game in Hawaii that year and they have a road game at Rutgers. So they will go as far as you can go in the United States of America. I would imagine in terms of college football. Yeah. I, I already voiced my concerns overall about that change coming up. I, I hear your point. I think I'm, 
picky and choosy about where I think it's bad to have the dominant. Um, I think at the moment, just because this year, Virginia Tech wasn't on the cusp of overcoming that or, or JMU wasn't in the middle of it like they were just a couple years ago, I'm a little more accepting of it uh, because my teams that I'm rooting for first really didn't even have a shot at that this year. So um, next year, hopefully one of them get up into that spot, and then then I can agree with you that it's that Oklahoma's tearing the sport apart. Um, yeah, at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm just not at up at arms with it. It felt like the UConn run happened for longer, you know. I'm sure oh, the UConn run's definitely been longer than the Oklahoma run. I'm just saying. Yeah, it, yeah. Having a team be this I just dominant. Not yet. Yeah, having a team be this dominant and, and string together the national championships they have is not yeah. good for the sport. It's not. Yeah, if this keeps on carrying on, I'll, I'll be full, full bore with you. Just not there yet. Uh, NCAA baseball, we're getting set up for the World Series that'll start this week in Omaha. Uh, we have, we're still waiting on, I think, two of the teams. Um, Stanford and Texas are playing tonight, and Southern Miss and Tennessee are playing tonight. But we know Wake Forest and LSU will be in that bracket. And then the other bracket is already set. Florida, UVA, which I'm sure a lot of listeners here care about. I, don't, I, I was rooting for Duke. Uh, TCU and Oral Roberts. Um, yeah, so it's getting sad. I always love that, the World Series in Omaha, watching as much as I can, like, like I have been with the softball too. Um, but what, what big takeaways did you have from the weekend of Super Regionals, Joe? I'll talk about Super Regionals here in a second. I do want to say, just to close the softball oh. argument, it's also not Oklahoma's job to make the sport better. Oklahoma's job is to make yeah. Oklahoma better. So They're doing darn good at their job. Yeah. yeah. That it, just like it's not Nick Saban's job to help the rest of college football yeah. catch up, and it wasn't Gino Oriema's job to help college, women's college basketball catch up to him. It's not yeah. Oklahoma's job to help them catch up. Now, baseball. But where Saban exists, that's where Georgia's come along. Like, you know, who's, mm-hmm. who's it going to be? And, and Dabo, and yeah, and now yeah. Georgia, and yeah. Um, yeah. But talking about baseball, um, going to the local team first, UVA, what a heartbreaking way to lose game one of that super regional to have what you think is a walk-off home run, get robbed at the wall by Duke uh, to awesome. lose the first game. I also very much enjoyed that. Um, the people I was spending the weekend with also enjoyed that, but hats off to UVA. They respond from a super heartbreaking way to lose a game to come back yep. and kind of pound Duke in the next two games, make it sure it doesn't come down over at all. They, all they did was score runs after that. Yeah. They, they made sure Duke didn't have a chance to rob a home run to cost them the game. The next two games, um, they absolutely pounded them, punched their way into Omaha. Uh, and, and honestly, they're into the bracket, not the toughest into the bracket there. Uh, Florida is pretty good. Florida does have some MLB talent there, uh, especially with Wyatt Langford, who folks in Charlottesville will be familiar with because he's a Tom sock or was a Tom sock. Uh, in the Valley League, and uh, now is getting ready for the MLB draft with the Florida Gators. Oral Roberts, that was a crazy game. I, I didn't get to see their last two games, but I watched their game on Saturday night. That was bizarre. That was the uh, game two, I guess. Of So I, I saw the second game, not the, the third game. But they were down to their final strike of their season. Oregon had them dead to rights, up a run. And the guy from Oral Roberts puts it right on the line and rolls into the corner. And then Oral Roberts is able to score two runs because they had two runners on base and win the game. That was insane. It was a huge win for Oral Roberts. Then they come back Sunday and beat Oregon again to punch their ticket. That's the four seed Oral Roberts getting into Omaha. Only a handful of teams have been able to do that. 
But man, Wake Forest, the number one overall seed, looks so, so good. Uh, they're just going to be a tough out in this tournament. Whether it's Stanford, Texas, Southern Miss, Tennessee, doesn't really matter. Uh, Wake Forest just looks like that level of team that can bring a national championship back to the ACC. And where I don't usually, I, I'm no default all tech. It's not tech, so root for the ACC. I, I'm not built that way, but I'm not built that way across college sports. So when it's not tech, I'm usually rooting against, or, or JMU, I'm rooting against everybody else. Um, I'm fine if Wake Forest, like, that won't hurt my feelings. You know, this isn't, yeah, I don't feel like the rivalry with Wake Forest. I don't feel like they have, you know, they're the haves. It's not like Duke winning a lot of basketball and this and that, so I hate them in other sports too, or Miami, I hate them across other sports. Like, it doesn't seem like Wake has that much. They don't have that many students. So, like, it's not going to hurt my feelings that if they win the championship. And, you know, I, I don't know if I'll be rooting for them. I'll probably kind of watch those first couple games of stuff and see who I'm starting to pull for. This is what's cool about college baseball is you get these characters that show up. They get some post-game uniform uh, interviews, and you just start to see these guys step up or, you know, like the guy from Stanford last night that pitched 163 pitches or whatever it was. Like – if they win and they're in the World Series, they'll be talking about that guy. And you know, I, I I'm not saying I, I say I don't hope love baseball that. goes completely to that, but it's it's something I it's the old school way, and I I like a lot of old school things, so that'd be cool. Um, I don't know, I'll, I'll probably start to pick who I'm rooting for late in the week. Yeah, I I don't love seeing that. It's a great story and good for him, and I I'm sure he was advocating with his coach, but. I, it's hard for me to just be staunchly against it because we baby these pitchers and they go out for Tommy. Oh, Jones. look, I'm not saying I'm not saying he can't pitch 100, but 160. That's. That's yeah, a lot. I, that's a lot. I don't know. It's hard for me. It's just hard. That's for me like to saying be, a kid has a broken leg in football and he, but he wants to go out there and we're like, well, you know, who's the coach to tell him no? I mean, I think that's two different. His things. arm can that's absolutely a, that's an injury, fall off. That's an actual this is injury. a kid. This is a kid that probably has the potential to go to the next level. Man, what a terrible, terrible decision to have him throw 160 pitches. Yeah, I, I get how there's going to be those people that say that and people that could draft him that are going to apply that. So I, I understand that. I wish. I wish there was a difference between 60 and 160 that like was more normal because it just feels like so many guys get pulled so quickly, you know, as soon as they get to 70 pitches, they're out of the game. I it's when we're seeing the results, like the injury results, not really affected by baby in these pitchers. Like I just wish overall may like take this case out of it. I just wish there was a little bit more to these guys being able to pitch more and, and, the records that we're used to seeing at the next level of, you know, 200, 300 wins and that kind of stuff, it's never going to happen because all these guys are getting taken out so early. So like, I, it's just what I'm used to and what I've grown up watching know and knowing and Greg Maddox and Nolan Ryan and all these guys putting in innings. And I, I didn't mind that. And now, you know, it's the more we baby these pitchers, it doesn't seem like the injury rates any less. I, it's everybody just, I mean, heck there's those guys that, like get injured somewhere else on their body and they'll like, well, let's go ahead and do Tommy John surgery while we're at it. Like, I, I think that's crazy. Like that that's where we've gotten to with these pitchers arms that 
I, it's just like it felt like a reminder of the past. I wasn't against it. He had a care. He was he was he was funny about it. I liked his post game interview. It caught my attention. I liked it. Okay, I mean, and that can be fine, but it doesn't make you right. Like saying 200, 300 wins isn't going to happen anymore. That's crazy. That's absolute crazy talk. You have to pitch five innings to get a win in Major League Baseball. Not a lot of teams are pulling their starter before five innings on a regular basis. Okay, maybe 200 wins. 300 wins isn't going happening. 300 wins could like absolutely not, happen. We're not producing pitchers now that'll pitch enough games to win 300 of them. If they stay healthy, they absolutely will. Like, I, I don't I don't know what that comment is because, again, uh, you like pitch five innings. Hours of listening to other podcasts about baseball? That's fine. I, I would say they're wrong, too, then. I, I just, I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I just don't. We have pitchers win 20 games in a season all the time. Like I, I mean, since 1990, we've only had four pitchers hit the 300 mark. So, like, I think I'm okay saying we're not going to see a lot of 300-game winners. Never? Not never. We're not going to see You said we're never going to see that again. <sighs> we're not going to see... I, I missed the... I guess I... If I've said never, I apologize. But like, I mean, 300 wins saying we're not going to see a lot of 300 win pitchers is not crazy either, but that's not, I mean, who cares? We don't see a lot of them anyway. 300 wins is pretty much a hall of fame career. It's like saying we're not going to see a ton of absolutely a hall of fame career. That's like saying we're not going to see a lot of, you know, 600 home run club guys like, okay, good. But our chances. Okay. It's, it's, we're, we're seeing less chances. Like you got to have like a, field of people we're digging in the weeds we're getting we're talking about semantics here i don't want to have another semantics argument i i don't like how we don't see pitchers i don't like how we don't see complete games anymore i don't like i liked it when you like a complete game you know even if it was not a no hitter it was still impressive and it was good and it happened like it, it was happening and like there's so few complete games now like i i don't like that style as much i i liked it the warriors that fought the whole game for you you know, like that style's going away and, and somewhere along the line, someone's saying that's for a good reason. I, and I, I guess I believe it to a point, but I'm still seeing so many guys still getting injured. And it's like so many, <laughs> so many of these young pitchers are all getting major surgeries at some point and missing entire seasons. And I, I, I didn't remember as much of that when I was young. Yeah. And I'm with you on that, right? Like the injuries aren't with, you know, pulling a guy in April, you know, Clayton Kershaw, pulling Clayton Kershaw when he has a no hitter going or a perfect game going um, in like the seventh inning because it's April and we don't want to, you know, wear him out or whatever. And then he gets hurt later in the year anyway. That I agree with. But there's also a huge difference in saying, you know, take this x ray. Yes, radiation is bad for you, but you need this x ray. And well, we ran, we don't have the lead mat. Just, you know, get in there and see what happens. Like 160 pitches is very much not the norm. Like a hundred pitches. Again, I'm with you. Yes. That's, that's a lot for college, but I'm with you. It's a college playoff game. Got to get through there. This is a big moment for him to let him pitch a hundred pitches. But I would have said at 120, that's my limit. Like the idea of him throwing 160. Ooh. 
I hated seeing that. That that scared me. We looked at it differently. <laughs> All right, moving on. We got no bigger debate there. That but uh, Wake Forest. Speaking of Wake Forest, point. before we go, um, <laughs> Rhett Lauder, one of their their ace is another guy uh-huh. who used to play in the Valley League, played for Strasburg. Awesome. I like it. All right, I'm going to get out of the baseball wins thing for a minute because <laughs> I will come back to that at some point. There'll be another reason, and I'll be ready next time. Uh, let's talk about Major League Baseball. Uh, the Orioles, um, five and a half games back of Tampa Bay, but 41 and 24. I saw the stats this week was the, you know, they had the dates on the calendar the last time the Orioles hit the 40 win mark and um, way ahead of schedule. So that's a great indicator of the success they're having. Um, I know early they were doing real well. And then, you know, you have the season goes on, but they're staying up and, and everybody has their issues. So, you know, you see the five and a half back at Tampa Bay, but then they're really sitting well in the wild card. The Yankees that are behind them, Toronto, that division, it just reiterates how tough that division is. But overall, Orioles doing well. Yeah, we are. And, and you know, it's the fastest they've gotten to 40 wins since 97, which is great. Um, and they're, they're playing good baseball. I mean, they played the Kansas City Royals. We, the game Sunday, we had already won the series, and it was basically, you know, a scrub roster. Adley wasn't in there. We had uh, Cedric is hurt. He didn't play. There were some other guys that we rested on Sunday, and we still beat the P out of the Kansas City Royals, which is good because we should. Um, but it, it's good to see us beat bad teams. Um, man, if we were in the AL Central, like I would, I was making the joke to my buddy who watches baseball way more than I do. Um, and I was telling him if we were in the AL central, I would absolutely unplug from baseball and tune back in in September and get ready for the Orioles playoff push. Cause I, we would already be, I would not be worried about us missing the playoffs. I, I'm getting there now. The only thing that concerns me is the Yankees and blue Jays are also very good baseball teams and who knows what happens in that wild card race. But, um, we're, we're playing really, really well. I hope that when we play the Rays, Yankees, and Jays, you know, we hold our own. We win some of those series, too. But when we're playing these, you know, AL Central teams that are major league teams by definition only, we're beating them, and, and that's good. When we're playing the Oakland A's, we didn't lose like the Milwaukee Brewers. Honestly, the Milwaukee Brewers should have been relegated for losing to the Oakland A's. Um, they, whoever wins the AAA championship moves up and the Milwaukee Brewers go down because you cannot lose a series to the Oakland A's. That is bad baseball. That owner in the Oakland A's is doing a real-life version of Major League where he is trying to kill that team and move them. And the Milwaukee Brewers are, I guess, trying to play the role of the other teams where they help the Oakland A's get hot and they somehow make the playoffs. And then, (laughs) you know, Bob Uecker goes and announces their games in the playoffs. But I I don't know. It's... It was bizarre to see the Oakland A's win a series. Um, they've actually been on a little bit of a hot streak, but and this is gonna, straight. yeah, this is gonna shift it a little bit. But honestly, I Major League Baseball needs to look into that because I mean, look, as an Orioles fan, I've been hearing about how bad we are for baseball because we were tanking, we weren't trying, even going into this year. What are the Orioles doing? They have the second lowest payroll in baseball. They're killing the sport. And here we are just beating the piss out of everybody. And Buster only got real quiet real quick. Hopefully he didn't bump his head or something and 
get knocked unconscious. I can only assume he did because I haven't seen any Orioles tweets in a while from him. But dead silence. Crickets on the Oakland A's here who are actively tanking to move their team from a community. At least the Orioles aren't doing that. But we don't hear BIP from Buster Only or anybody else covering the damn sport. Let's hear about it. I saw one article from Front Office Sports today. That team is actively trying to get out of Oakland. Now, is... I thought they are out is, of Oakland. I, that's where I'm a little hesitant to, like, jump well, over. I'm, I'm with Leland, you, like, they're out of Oakland, but they don't have a stadium deal in Las Vegas yet. They do not have a deal in Las Vegas. But, like, yes. Major League Baseball is not letting them play at that AAA stadium. Long term. Not long term. Yeah. If they don't they have a stadium deal, team. Major League Baseball is not letting them leave Oakland. Um... Okay, I, I don't know as much on the topic then because I thought they were out of Oakland. I thought that was a done deal. So, like, that's why I'm like, why is losing on your way out the door helping you? You'd think winning would help, like, make the people of Las Vegas excited to bring in this team and, and support they, them. With they the do not have a deal yet in place. They have not yet voted on yeah, that. I, I've known. I've seen the different stadium ideas and location. I, I think they had a pretty solid on the location. Um, but I also look at that as every other stadium deal, and it's a bunch of – it's never going to happen until it does, and it's well, a bunch of bull crap that's and what it does. that's what the Coyotes thought in the NHL, and then that deal didn't get approved, and now they yeah. are not probably not going to be in Phoenix. You you look at they thought Oakland was going to give them a stadium, and Oakland didn't give them a stadium, and now they're looking at Vegas, and they're oh Vegas is going to give us a stadium. Well, if you make this team too bad, Vegas is going to look at that and go, wait, why are we spending yeah, billions why of I'm dollars? Wondering why they're tanking right now, like that. Like I'm questioning why they're actively tanking other than they have built a bad roster and all that stuff. Okay. But like if they're throwing games and they need to be looked into, I I'm just hesitant on what their motivation is at the moment. Well, I was told when we were bringing up young talent and not paying young talent because we don't have to, that that was bad for baseball and we were tanking. So I'm just wondering what the Oakland A's are doing then. The Oakland A's are on a pace for a historically worst season ever. I don't hear Buster only. That's what you're mad about. I don't hear Ken Rosenthal. I don't hear any of these baseball writers who got on their high horse real quick to tell us the Baltimore Orioles are bad for baseball. They've got the number one and number two prospect. That's bad for baseball. The Oakland A's wish they had a farm system. The Oakland A's just flat out suck. The Oakland A's could take their entire roster, combine it into one super person, and that guy would still suck. He would be Chris Davis. (laughs) It's like Mega Desk, a baseball player. I'm in. <laughs> Start combining people. Let's do this. I've watched a lot of Jurassic Park this weekend, so you know, gene splicing and stuff has been a big topic in the movies I've been watching. So yeah, let's do this. And they didn't talk about let's, gene splicing an Oakland A's player, did they? One one Oakland A's player that still sucks. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum would have been sitting there going, "You didn't ask if you should," and the answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> you have this terrible baseball player still. No one, no one asked if they should. You were so worried about if you could. You didn't think if you should. And the answer is no, because he still sucks. <laughs> well, speaking of a crap division and a bunch of crappy teams, the Pirates are back in first place in the NL Central. That division sucks, too. Around. That division sucks so bad. You talk about divisions you wish the Orioles were in. Here's another central division that you wish you could be in. Hey, but the Pirates are back on top. That just makes me excited that they're still in the mix and, like, still thinking they're playing for something. 
do I have faith this exists in September? Not, not really, but I like that it's just holding on a little bit longer to make me think, to give me hope. I like hope. I'm unlike you. I like hope. Uh, well, the good news happening? is they're doing it without Cruz, too. They are. They have been the whole way, and, and they had other young guys step up mm-hmm. in the roster, and uh, McCutcheon being back has just been a big spark. So uh, I've really liked that. I actually had to add him on my fantasy team uh, just because I knew he would be pushing for some hits to get over the uh, – what did he just go over? 2,000 um, mark. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's been a nice story there inside Pittsburgh. I don't think nationally it's gotten much attention. Judge being out again uh, – both hurting my fantasy team, and uh, that is recognized by the nation. Um, he was my number one pick. I need to have him back. Um, but I don't know. What what else is hot in baseball right now? In baseball, the Texas Rangers are pretty hot. They're looking really good. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, they are right up there. They're, the I believe, the second best team in baseball with the Orioles in terms of wins at 41. Um and they're a half game ahead of the Orioles, actually, today. Um, but they're doing well. And, and you look, again, you look, look around. At NL West. Look at the NL West with Arizona leading it. San Diego down in second from last. Like, I was going to say, you, when you look at what Arizona has been able to do, that's a team that was not expected to be this good. They're having a very yeah. good season. And, and San Diego, yeah, this is the problem, right? Like, I, and, you know, you're, <laughs> I, I kind of told you, when you were like, I love the Padres going all in, going all in, spend all this money, spend all this money. That's great. But if you're, if you that's start not winning, yeah, if you start not to win, that's going to be an issue. And I, I've yeah. been saying, I was like, where is San Diego getting all this money? It's not a big market. Where, where is all this money coming from? How many banks have they robbed? And we're about to find out because unless that's, you know, Jeff Bezos in a human costume parading around as a different alter ego they're about to run out of money soon and this team is not a playoff team let alone world series nope they are not they are not but i mean say the same thing about the mets they spent a lot of money and they're still sitting at 30 oh yeah 35. absolutely in a, in a division it's gonna be hard to climb in yep no that's fair the mets are also not Bad having road. a good season yeah. the marlins are good yeah yeah one eight of ten I've had a history of following along the the Marlins and uh, I don't know. I don't know if to believe it yet or not. Okay. It's fine. That's just, uh, they do have that RS guy who's hitting almost 400. Yeah, they do. That guy's good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he is. I take it. He's a Leland (laughs) fantasy player too. He is on the fantasy team. It's been in the starting lineup. He, He didn't start the season as a guaranteed starting lineup guy, but he's in there now been in there for a while um all right nba uh denver up three to one going into monday night's game against the heat and they are leading by five late in the fourth so we should just talk about nba in a few minutes but um my issue over the weekend was just everybody like counting miami out and i was like we keep we've done this like in every series it's felt like we we just not giving miami any hope as an eight seed and they just keep keep showing up so when they went down 3-1, I was like, you just assume they're not going to win. Like, they got a chance. And, and they were leading in this game. So we'll see how it closes out. But, like, just to give up on that team time after time after time, it's just it's just what sports – this is why we don't need seven hours of live television during the daylight talking about sports. Because people just, like, get up on these hills and just bury teams, 
even if they're wrong the last three weeks about it, here they just say it again. Now they might lose this game, and they that okay, but like just to not even give it a like discussion, I thought was stupid. Okay, can I tell you why you're wrong? It's not like the Nuggets are what the Warriors have been like, and the Warriors gave up a three-one lead in the middle of their run. So like, why could Miami win one more game? Can I tell you why you're wrong? In, in your you can't count the Miami Heat out because of what they've been able to do this postseason. They never trailed a postseason series before the NBA Finals. The Denver Nuggets are the best team in the NBA this year. Yeah. They're really good. Jokic is maybe, maybe the game. best player. Well, I, never- Yo, not maybe. Jokic is the best player in the NBA right now. Jokic is one of the best players we've not ever seen. Not the greatest big man of all time, as I heard no, no, no. this weekend, either, though. I... I'm not ready to say he's the best big man of all time yet, but my goodness, I'm not ready to say that. Give him some time. Yeah. Still early in Let's his career. Burn all the Hakeem Olajuwon tape we can. Um, <laughs> that's not who like, I'm worried about. Who's like joking? Okay. Then everybody above Hakeem Olajuwon definitely better burn all their tape. But like, also he looks really good. Who's he playing against right now? I remember in the nineties, these big men going on big men. I remember, you know, Shaq, Pretty solid player. Hakeem Olajuwon swept him in the playoffs. Just but were they school. were they like, banging threes home? Yeah, that's the problem with the like we're comparing two different NBAs now too. I mean that's the problem because your big man's you're judging your big man on shooting a three ball and like I I love when I can throw the ball into an inside guy and make sure and know I'm going to get two and maybe go into the line too. But Jokic's two pointer is the most efficient shot in the game. Yeah, I'm nowhere close to saying he's the best big man of all time. I don't know. Give him. I'm willing to say wait till the end of the career with him, but I'm it's not quickly approaching ever, there. Ever. I'm not saying a never. It's ever. quickly I'm approaching there. I'm pretty far damn away from it right now. Uh, he just beat LeBron. Yeah, he beat a team LeBron was on. Yes, that's that's accurate. Uh, okay. A lot of people do that in the finals. It's not nothing. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of guys beat LeBron he in beat, the final, he in beat the KD. It's another really good guy. He beat Kevin Durant. Yep. Okay. I mean, a you're saying who's he going up against? Like, these are pretty good players in the history of the NBA. They're not nobody. Yeah. Okay. The I Heat just, might I not just have a star. It was way premature to say Joker was the best big man of all time. In the modern NBA, he's a great big man, and but like, I just feel like Patrick Ewan would put one elbow in his chest, and that guy's gonna shut up pretty quick. I, don't, I don't think that's Ewan's I don't best think big man true. of all time. I don't. I just think, think the, I don't think he can I think the physical play. Of what I don't. I grew up oh my gosh! I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I think you don't know what you're watching. I'm not watching much. <laughs> Jokic is Jokic is a pretty strong dude. Yeah, it's fine. NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, it's just a question of Panthers have no chance they win to it win in five or six. I just said it's the only question is if they do it in five or six because the Panthers aren't winning two in a row, let alone three in a row. They're dead. Stick a fork in them. I thought the series ended the other night. <laughs> I looked up something. I, I looked up on NHL.com 
And I think I just read when Vegas won the last series, and I was like, oh, it ended. I missed because I always usually try to watch the last game of the NHL playoffs. But coming home from vacation, well, let me tell you, you, know, you missed. I, just, I thought I missed it. You missed a great missed game four because Vegas's goalie makes an insane save with like fractions of a second left to avoid that game going into overtime, and then you have a brawl at the end of the game between the Panthers and the Golden Knights. No suspensions have been announced, which is probably for the best if you're a Florida Panthers fan, because Matthew Kachuk was involved in the brawl very much so, and and that's their best player. And if he were to be suspended, then I wouldn't even have flown to Vegas. I would have just been like, nah, we're done. Um, But he will play, so we'll see. I hope hope Florida proves me wrong and wins. I would love for Florida to win that Stanley Cup, but Vegas is really good. Their goalie is playing out of his mind in this series. Uh, and they're just getting the timely goals, and Florida's living in the penalty box. It's hard to win when you're constantly a man down. I'd still take Kareem Abdul-Jabbar before I'd take Joe Gage. I'd take Bill Russell before I'd take him. I'd take... Okay, mister. Who did, who Taylor. are they playing against? Who did Bill I'd Russell play Keel against? O'Neal. I'll take... Who did Bill Hakeem Russell Lonzo. play against? Bill Russell. You could take... Okay, we want to talk about super people. Take everyone in the NBA when Bill Russell played, make them a super person. They're not as good as Kevin Durant or LeBron James. I'm taking those guys before I take him. No. You're not taking Kareem? Kareem, maybe. Bill Russell, absolutely not. Wilt Chamberlain? Mm. You're you're taking him over Shaq. It's a conversation. Shaq, Shaq is interesting, right? Because Shaq will battle with him down low. That will be a war. But as soon as Shaq has to leave the paint to go guard Jokic, that's a problem. Yeah, I'm just, I think it's early to say this when he's like about to win his first title and I don't know. I mean, he didn't win MVP this year because of other stuff. Like I acknowledge that. Like other discussions happening that had less to do with on the court facts as the reason he to win MVP this year. I I'll concede that. That's NBA writers like, being dumb. Joel Embiid is not better than him, so I'm I'm good with that moment of discussion. But it's just like when we start saying all time, like we're gonna need we need gonna load up some more wins and domination than than what we currently have. Not impossible, but just not there yet. That's what we want to do, though. This is my that, like. That's what drove me to say that because, like, you just hear all this talk because there's so many hours to fill with this talk, where two idiots can just make a podcast and have this talk like we did, and it's just like it's we could just talk about this later. Like we'll have time to talk about this later, and it just it just drove me crazy this weekend. Listen, I let maybe I listened to too much talk this weekend. Maybe that's my problem. That sounds like a you problem. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a me problem. Another me a problem that I have is that my Stanton Braves are three and six and last in the Valley Baseball League. But to find out information about it is my biggest problem because it's it's tough. <laughs> and we talked <laughs> on this last week, and I yeah, just give hard. our listeners a heads up. Like, we're just not going to be able to color, cover Valley Baseball League as well as we have these last couple of years with the coverage that we're currently getting. So that's my public address announcement. And if that hits somebody's ears that needs to hear it, there it is. Because it's just... It's tough. It's tough to get information 
I was tough to find standings on the, like I had to go deep into point streak or whatever to finally get something to give me standings. It used to be on the front page of the VBL. You used to be able to just see it, but not anymore. So Sam Braves are though as bad as we thought they were going to be. Yeah. They're not having a good season this year. Nope. Percival seems to be doing very well. Yeah. The new team. Cole I would Pepper just compare those two rosters, game. see where their players are from and see where Stanton Braves players are from. And that might just give those guys a little bit of a hint what needs to happen differently uh you're you're not wrong yep i don't want to spend that much time on it because i just i'm angry about it um what is dominating your life joseph uh well what is dominating my life is i got to spend some time with family uh take another step on what is now a three-year project on two cribbage boards that are being made um which is good and then i got to clean up some graffiti on a church playground that um we won't talk about what the graffiti was because this is a family podcast, but um, have, yeah. Have you, have, has our listeners seen super bad? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was not great. Um, it was not how I thought I was going to spend my Saturday afternoon, but um, still happy to help my uncle with that project and um, had a good time visiting family this weekend. It was good. Out Outside of, the other thing that's dominating my life that I was going to talk about is on your list. So I'll let you talk about it. Okay. Outside of the domination of Jurassic park this weekend with a, uh, my youngest's birthday party being with that, the theme and my wife being a, I mean, she can theme a birthday party. That is just no doubt about it. Outside of that, I've had interest in some up, some recently played 30 for thirties. Uh, the one or one of them, uh, American Gladiators one came on, I think, two weeks ago. I need to go back and watch that. I'm excited about it. I think oh. my only hesitation that I haven't watched it yet, that I haven't, just didn't, haven't immediately thrown it on, because I think it's talking a lot about a lot of stuff that I have no idea about American Gladiators. As much, I kind of wanted the, you know, take me back and make me remember the American Gladiators and seeing some of those moments, but I think they dig into some real issues and all that. So I, I'm waiting to find the right time to watch that with the right audience in the room. Have you seen that one? I have. That's that's the other documentary oh. I watched. I've been on a documentary kick lately. I did watch that one, both parts of it. Yeah, I, like you, went in. And when that was announced, I was like, oh, awesome. Yeah. American Gladiators. I love that show. Yeah. And I go to watch it. I hit play, and it starts. And I'm like, oh, okay, this guy seems to be a character. And, and then, you know, you learn a little bit more about him. You're like, uh-oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And it's just depressing. <laughs> it's incredibly depressing. Oh, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it really makes you go, well, now I wish, you know, I didn't love American Gladiators as much. Um, but well, I, I think I'm already okay with that mindset. Like I think Ugh. just the memory of the steroided people and I was sure there's gonna be some bad backstories. You but like, wish yeah. the steroid people were the worst part of that documentary. <laughs> you <laughs> wish if that was the only issue going on. Oh, it's awful. Just watch it. I will. I definitely will. I want to. What I'm not going to watch, and Granddaddy uh, Jeff also said uh, that he oh, wasn't going to watch agree. the Huey one. The Bill Walton one has been on this past week. I I had ESPN on for 10 minutes while it was on. I'll say it seemed like the quality was there. It seemed like they were putting together a nice little documentary to talk about Bill Walton, who is quite the character and has a lot of different stances. And some of that is great importancy and, and great. Just not for me. It's just his his vibe is not my vibe, and uh, I'm not really interested in diving in 
uh, to that vibe with him. Uh, if I if I need to be exposed to that line of thinking and vibe, I just I don't want it out of Bill Walton because I just have too much burning me down there. But it does remind me that my favorite 30 for 30 of all time, uh, we're going to have the, I guess that's what, 29-year anniversary of the date. But uh, the um, 30 for 30 came out much later. The June 17th, 1994, 30 for 30 is like my favorite of all time. It's the day in June in 1994 where we had World Cup happening. We had um, the U.S. Open happening, the opening round of the U.S. Open. We had NBA Finals, I believe, happening. And it Stanley Cup. All, uh, every Stanley Cup uh, celebration uh, because the Rangers had just won it. Um, it was just a huge sports day. And everything basically just gets swiped to the left during an NBA Finals game to watch the white Bronco of O.J. Simpson and what the drama that was unfolding there. And uh, I've said it before on this podcast, I think that time in media and sports media and then overall media changed in 1994. Like that's that's when a lot of things for. because there's no narrator there's no guy talking over everything all they use is audio and video from that day and piece together exactly the story that's happening that day and, and basically tells you the story of that day as you could have watched it that day which i was watching some i, I did take part in watching some of that that day so um i love that one i recommend it i assume with the anniversary of that date you know june 17th coming i imagine it's available somewhere but also it's always available on espn plus so i Encourage you to go watch it if you haven't already. If you saw if you saw the existence of the nine part whatever it was OJ made in America, and you thought ah, that's just a lot more about this topic than I need, watch this thirty for thirty. This is a reasonable one episode thirty for thirty, you know, hour and a half I think, and it, and it's it's just from that day. It doesn't go through the whole trial. It doesn't go through everything before that day. It's that day. It really just sets you in, and so that's it's. I really recommend it. Yeah, I agree. That is my favorite for that for kind of the reasons you laid out, right? There is no narrator. It's just straight the footage that they was shown on TV those days. Yeah. Or that day. And um uh that that one is also one of my favorites, if not my favorite, uh thirty for thirty. But yeah. I, I'm also with you on the Bill Walton one. Um because oh, yeah. like when I saw that, I was like, <laughs> All right. Um good for the Bill Walton fans, I guess. I, I just <sighs> The guy attracts a lot of eyeballs, so obviously he's gonna he justifies his job in that in that realm. Um, but it's just not for me. It, it's not my cup of tea. It doesn't mean he's terrible or stinks. It just means I I am not the kind of person that likes that kind of commentary when I'm watching games and, yeah. and so it turns me off from wanting to hear about the rest of his life. Honestly, yeah, and, and um. It it really has nothing to do with what he does off the floor or off no, camera. Yeah, like I, I don't care Gross. about Gross. that. But it, it's just like the constant, constant, constant talking. And <laughs> I mean, I honestly like I listened to Levitard and they had him on to talk about his documentary. They asked him no questions during the interview, and he filled up the entire interview. And oh now, I didn't listen to it because I just read other people commenting saying they literally asked him no questions and he talked the entire time. I knew what I was going to be in for. So I was like, you know what? I will skip this portion of the podcast today. And 
feel much better for it. I, I just, I am not, it's not my, I'm sure it's a well-made one. I, I, like I said, the, yeah, I'm sure the quality of the documentary is great. Well-made documentary. 30 for 30. Typically I, I can count the number of 30 for 30s that I think were poorly done on one hand. Like they're really, really good documentaries. Oh, yeah. All of these guys go in and do a really great job piecing these things together and selling them to ESPN for the rights and putting them on. But I don't need to watch every documentary. And this is one I won't. Yep. How about that smoke from the wildfires? I thought that was crazy. I, and like I, I have this towards the what I know that you need to know. I don't know that much about them. I was way late on this. I was down at the lake last week, and we we're watching the sunset on the water. And I was like, I just don't get why it's that hazy. And Stephanie's like, it's the wildfires in Canada. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's just I guess I was twittering less than normal on vacation, which was good. Uh, but I just I was late to the story. But then I we came home on Thursday. And you probably know this from your traveling. When you're coming north on 29 and you hit Lovingston, you top that hill right before you get to where the grocery store, the Chinese and McDonald's is, you're just looking at mountain right in front of you. It's just, it's sticking up right in front of you. And it was like hard to see the mountain. And like every other time I drive that, it's just like, it's like, oh, here we are. But nope, it's like hard to see. And then as we approach coming up to Afton, going over Afton, looking over Waynesboro, and you can't see anywhere. And I was worried I was going to have to mow in this stuff. And then hearing that the local schools, like limited outdoor activities for the kids and stuff, the schools that are still in session, mostly in Rockingham County, it's just, it's just crazy. And then the images from New York and all that, I, I got caught up on it. And uh, it was crazy. I just, I, you know, it. I, I, they had a guy on the Tony Kornheiser podcast that explained the in a sense, the perfect storm of it, the, you know, the jet stream switch changing and pushing the smoke down and you got to have the smoke to begin with and like going on as long as they have, like, it's just, it was a really bizarre, it was a bizarre news week for stuff happening uh, with the planes going down. As we talked about in the last podcast, that plane going down um, some of the other stuff that's happened locally, but then those, those Canadian fires were crazy. The Canadian fires were bad. Um, And Tuesday, was the first day I noticed the haziness here because I had gone out to lunch and I was looking and I was looking through my windshield first and I was like, man, I guess I really need to watch this car because it just seems like there's a haziness on my windshield. I've got a windshield wiper fluid apparently. And then I, so I lower my window because it's nice out and I look and I'm like, nope. Either that or my eyes are hazy too. I, I don't know. Like, and I'm wearing contacts, so that would be bad. Um, so I'm like, I wonder why the pollution is so bad in Stanton today. And then later on in the day, I see, start to hear about this stuff, uh, this smoke from Canada. And, you know, New York has canceled games and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. And Wednesday, it was worse. Thursday, you could smell the smoke in Waynesboro and Stanton, um, which was weird. You know, my brother lives in Northern Virginia, up in D.C. It was worse there. He was saying he could smell the smoke starting, you know, Wednesday. Um and yeah, then you see the pictures in New York and it just looks like, you know, the end of days. And it had like the, uh, the, the lights in central park were coming on at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. It just, I mean, it looked like the end of the world and you know, the, or the Yankees canceling their game Wednesday and then saying, we'll play a double header Thursday was hysterical. Like I was just like, who are you kidding? Like, but they obviously that didn't happen either. But, um, yeah, it, it was different. It was. I thought um, you were going to blame the, the 
tarp crew or something. So that's good. Well, no, um, <laughs> but they could have used some water. Um, but then by Friday, it was pretty much gone here. Uh, I was worried it was yeah. going to affect my weekend where I was going because I was like, how far south is this going to go? Um, yeah. But that was not an issue this weekend, which was good. Uh, and I uh, was able to enjoy my weekend uh, carefree, which was good. But the other bit of news that we probably should talk about since we're a sports podcast, um, the PGA and live. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I not have that on here anywhere? I don't know, since you're the golf guy. But um, honestly, all this for that was my like, that was my reaction. All we've been through for this. Yes. Um, and honestly, as the weekend has unfolded, more and more has come out in more days. Um, you know, initially when the news broke, you're wondering, how does Jay Monahan survive this? Because there's a lot of golfers that he is the commissioner of that are not very happy right now with him. Um, they took this moral stand. They stood with him when there was more money on the table to leave. They stuck with the PGA because they believed in the PGA and they did not want to join the Saudi back to live golf. And unlike say the NFL or NBA, who if the players aren't happy with the commissioner, the commissioner, it's not ideal for the commissioner, but the commissioner at the end of the day, doesn't need to worry about that. The PGA very much needs to worry about that because the owners are who make a commissioner. Now with this new deal, I don't know how that changes, but I, I do wonder if the players still decide who the commissioner is and, and this Saudi backed and public fund is not at all uh, involved in that decision-making does Jay Monahan stay commissioner of the PGA? Because there are a lot of PGA golfers who are not very happy. One, they're not happy it happened at all. But two, they're finding out when we find out. Which, to me, is entirely unacceptable if you're in charge of the PGA. That, you have to have everybody aware of what's about to happen on that kind of thing. It's huge. Because the guys who leave for live now get the money and they come back. I, I just, I don't know um, how, like I said, I don't know how Jay Monahan survives this. You, you see as the weekend comes on and rolls on, Jay Monahan told the PGA golfers straight up, we could not survive this legal fight. They had already spent $50 million, I believe it was, in legal fees. They had $100 million in their reserves. You contrast that with the $620 billion with a B that the Saudi government has to play with in that public investment fund. It, it's not really a fair fight there. Now, the thing I sent you today, which made me laugh out loud, the U.S. Senate says they're going to look into this merger of PGA and Live Golf. And it's kind of like I sent you. I was like, is this the same U.S. Senate that buys oil and sells weapons yeah. to yeah, this same this, Saudi government? Like. Uh, I, I don't know what, what moral high ground are you standing on? Like, yeah. at least this is yeah. golf. Like, I don't know. Like, the, the other disgusting thing, just... the other disgusting thing with how this played out. And again, it goes back to uh, people who, despite talking in front of cameras and to media pretty often in their day to day lives, still somehow really fall short on important things when live golf started 
Jay Monahan was chastising golfers who left, saying, you're taking this 9-11 blood money. And then when he makes the deal, says, my heart goes out to 9-11 victims. But, and I was like, well, the but is the problem. Like, you cannot stand and scream bloody murder at these golfers leaving you. And then when the money comes to your doorstep, be like, I get it. Um, that's, that's the problem. And, uh, I hate it. I hate all of it because again, I, I am not naive. I know there are plenty of, there's plenty of evil in the world and more times than not money talks and bull blank walks, but man, it's just gross. It's gross. You see Manchester city win and they're backed by some not great dudes. They win the champions league this weekend. And that sucked. Cause I was like, well, damn it. That was the one thing I could at least laugh at. They're spending all this money and they're not winning the champions league, but they finally win that. And you're looking at, you know, Messi turns down the Saudi Saudi offer of a billion dollars a year to go play at inner Miami for MLS. And you're like, yeah, we win one. Um, but then they buy PGA tour. And it's just like, well, damn it. And again, you partner that with like the pharmaceutical documentaries I'm watching on how they managed to pay off the FDA and all these other government lobby lawmakers to look the other way. And then once the crisis happens, the lawmakers are like, how does this happen? Kind of like the, if you ever watch the skit show on Netflix, I think you should leave where Tim Robbins is dressed up in a hot dog costume after he crashes his hot dog car in the suit store and tells the police, we're all looking for the guy who did this. Like that's Congress. Every time we have a crisis or every time this bully from the middle East rears its head and does bad things to humans. We're like, how could this have happened? It's just like, well, I don't know. Maybe if we stop giving them billions of dollars, but I don't know. What do I know? Um, yeah, it's, it just sucks. Or if you're Congress, if you stop taking billions of dollars from the pharmaceutical company and actually, you know, protect the people of the country that you're supposed to be protecting. I don't know. Maybe we could avoid this, but I can't do that. So I, I don't have arguments to any aspect of what you just said. I'm, I'm with you. So I want to move the PGA Live Golf conversation ahead a little bit. I wondered about when, as they come back together, okay, the players are back and all that, we're, we're past this. I, the idea of like in-season tournament we've talked about in other sports, I just wonder if there is room for the PGA to like commit a certain amount of weeks throughout the year where like, okay, we don't have PGA events these weekends. We'll call it, if it still has to have some live or whatever, whatever you got to call it and have you know, a little bit of this team, different style. You're playing a few, you know, some less holes, maybe one less day. Like maybe take some of that style and infuse it, have it be a little more laid back, maybe gear it towards the younger players. And, and because that like take on some of what Liv was trying to do there, though, I don't think it was working. I'm not saying let's do that. Like let's change everything to meet Liv standards. Cause I don't, you know, they weren't getting viewers. They weren't, I don't think they were pulling in that much. Interest. No, in terms of, I just wonder if there's room for something in there to, you know, shake up the mold from PGA. Cause as much as you and I talk about major league baseball, like catering to the oldest viewer, and that's going to kill the sport. 
I, I wonder if golf could pay a little bit of attention and make it maybe even make it like online only or online is the better way to watch it. Maybe it's available still some other way where the old golf fan can watch it, but like go gear for the younger viewer, put in some aspects of, um, you know, maybe it's not all tournament golf and, you know, just like find out like experiment there and use these tournaments every year. There's going to be differences. It's not going to be the same deal every year, but like, here's the basic criteria that we're going to like have it these weekends. Here's these places that we're going to go to, like use that to help explore in your game, some differences that you can have. And, and I, I just wonder if that's an opportunity for the PGA to widen who's, eyeballs are going to come to the sport yeah sadly i think in terms of golf like the best thing it had going for it was this live versus pga rivalry like that you would have at the majors it was like okay let's see who wins the pga guys are the live guys and honestly like if they would have made a Ryder cup-esque tournament of pga versus live i think that would have done pretty well um but no, you're talking about Liv. You don't think Liv was doing very well on the business side. Liv on the business, in terms of a business, was absolutely failing. I, it was on the CW yeah. and nobody was watching. Nobody the was CW watching. left early to for yeah, reruns. The CW was show. leaving yeah. a tournament if it wasn't over, and it's allotted time slot to go to a rerun of a CW show. It was absolutely dying. Yeah. Uh, somebody yeah. tried to equate it to like the Michael Scott Paper Company getting a deal from Dunder Mifflin right before they go bankrupt. Yes and no, because of the $620 billion. It would be like if Staples was pumping money to Michael Scott Paper Company to keep them afloat for the sole reason of killing the PGA in terms of bleeding them out. But, it, yeah, it, man, I don't know. Um, the team tournament, to me, doesn't really – add an interesting aspect. I appreciate it when it's USA versus Ryder Cup, but I like it because it's USA versus Ryder Cup, not because team Phil versus thought, like, team whoever. You get like five guys on a team and then like you need to have three present for those tournaments. So like I could you're not going to see less. I don't know. I just was wondering about I like something to shake things up because I don't know. I'm interested in the future of golf and I, I don't want it to fall I want young people interested in golf and I, I'm not necessarily noticing that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just like, I wonder if like you have this like entity within <laughs> whatever this is going to become. Cause I, I, I don't know what it's going to become, but I just like to wonder if you take advantage of that and have, have the try it out area and have some of the younger guys pumping, you know, get, try to get them famous through that the guys that aren't going to be famous traditionally on the PGA tournament yet. And like, they got to, you know, grind through their years, like see if you can pump some interest in these guys some other way and, and let them play both, you know, like let them still play those other tournaments, but have this venue for them. And not that you're going to have the top guys in golf, maybe part of this, but like maybe that second tier guys really try to have a reason for them to be there and they don't have to be there every single weekend and, and like kind of split the difference on some of this stuff but also have that venue for trying different things, being a little more hip, maybe not being so tight to the quiet and gentlemanness of P PGA and just see how they go. Let them wear shorts, you know, like just some of that stuff. I, I don't know. Again, for me, no, but I, I don't know what it would really take for me to watch 
golf. I am more excited for the virtual U.S. Open that me and my friends are getting ready for than the actual U.S. Open. So I'm not the person they're looking for. I, I just know for me, it doesn't really matter. I think it's some way that you are. I mean, you're this, you're a sports fan and you're taking so many hours of sports. Otherwise, like, why aren't, like, I would, if I was a PGA, I, there is a 0% chance the next in the world. Make a good golf game. Make a good golf video game because that's the only way you're going to get me to know a remote chance of who your golfers are. Because I'm not going to watch these tournaments. I'm just not. I just don't care. I think that plays into my, like, what, you know, <laughs> the experimental, what what could pull people in and, and try and stuff. Yeah, I just I know, know the team aspect isn't going to do it. Because I know why I care about the team in terms of the Ryder Cup, and it's because it's okay. the United States versus Europe. But it's also one weekend out of the year, and it's not like every, you know multiple weekends. And hey, it's the USA thing. versus. And, that, and that's the, like that's why I was probably still stuck with the team atmosphere in my mind because like I don't think you're gonna get the level of golfer that you want every single weekend at something like this. So like if you can get them some, but then you get some of these lower guys more often, and it all kind of splits the difference. I, I don't know, I don't know. All right, we're going to keep running the D block. This is the longest D block of our lives. We cut you short last week, so we're going to keep it rolling. Um, the new Browns logo, which is the dog. Um, I This is as dumb as the helmet. The dog has no eyes. <laughs> I Where I kind of had a reaction, and I'll the, put this. The dog has no on. eyes. The dog has what? no eyes. Give the dog eyes. What I found is red eyes. Well, from our experience, those, you could have given them red eyes. And that would have been scary. Um, when I saw the comparison to the old dogs, I I think I like this dog better. I think it, it's fine. I think it's cool this thing down here on the on the link for this, where it like there's some different shapes within the dog that have some symbolism, like for the state of Ohio, um, the Guardian Bridge, and stuff like that. Like I, I like when logos like our Sports logo. Kind of, you know, it can do two things at once, you know, like um, I, I like when there's that creativeness there. And I so I appreciate that with this. But, yeah, this isn't like some kind of awesome new thing. Um, also, knowing that it's not going to go on the side of their helmet. So, like, I, I don't think I ever saw this one from 15 to 2022. I don't ever remember seeing that either one of them. I don't understand. So, like, this exists and that's nice. I I expect we will not see it. They have yeah. their little kid. They, they put on the field last year, like the little Browns guy that they had a 50-yard logo that was weird looking. The Brownie logo. I've seen logo. that more than I've seen one of these dogs. Yeah, the Brownie logo. I thought that was their logo. Um, Yeah, these two dogs I've never seen before in my life. The 2003 to 2014 one I like because it has eyes and it looks like a dog. I, I get what you're saying. They're, they've got all these little things that have this symbolism or whatever. Yeah, and I, I can appreciate that. I'm, uh, I'm I can appreciate it, but I also hate it because... <laughs> Sometimes they do too much, right? Sometimes it's like a little too in the weeds. Like, oh, well, you know, we have 15 things we're paying homage to in this logo. I'm like, well, then you need to cut it down there, Sparky, because that's too many. Like, one or two, okay. But when you're like, this corner means this, and then the, the eyes represent this. Okay, well, I guess the eyes represent the blind Cleveland Browns fans who, you know, put the blinders on to support, root for Deshaun Watson. I guess that's what that symbolized. I don't know. <laughs> But to me, the dog should have had eyes. And because it doesn't have eyes, I'm out. This is a dumb logo. But it's a dumb franchise. They're never going to win. All right. So The other one you have on here is the Carolina Panthers. I'm looking at this one. The New Jerseys. 
I, what do you think of that new blue? What, how about that new shade of blue? Isn't that just a crazy difference? That Okay, I am glad you're saying that because when I read the thing, it was like the color changes, and I pulled it up. I was like, um, am I colorblind? <laughs> what color changes? Like, this looks pretty similar. Maybe if I get down Darn in the weeds, similar. it's a little bit different, but I mean, we are splitting hairs on a shade you, of light like, blue. Looking at these pictures, there's one guy that's playing on the field and the other guy in a photo shoot. So you, you could easily look at that and be like, whatever difference I'm seeing is obviously lighting. Yeah. But the paragraph above, the paragraph says the jerseys is rendered in process blue, which was the team's original shade of blue. Nike wasn't able to reproduce it properly over the past decade. And now the team is back to the original hue. So, like, <laughs> we're just lost in the absolute weeds here of color hue changes. And I just, like... I tell you what. what point are we close enough? <laughs> UniWatch is breaking news to me because I didn't realize they changed who, hues from the original. To me, I it looked no the damn idea. same. I didn't know. Carolina blue to me. <laughs> Nike didn't take over that long ago. Like, I didn't notice the difference between Reeboks, you know, whatever blue and this blue. I, to no me, idea. it was dumb. Like when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I mean, "New version looks pretty similar to the old version." It's like the Arizona Cardinals with their new uniform. I'm like, um, "Looks kind of." I mean, at least that one is a little bit different. But I was like, "This isn't a major change. I, this isn't even yeah. worth making the change. I would have just kept it." This is you paid somebody to change this. Why did you do that? As was the Creed says, "As wake me up when she rolls over." Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was Andy. Yeah, that was Andy Bernard. But yes. <laughs> All right, so the final uniform thing, and I just grabbed it while we were here. The other two things I had caught, but while we're here, MLB releases Stars and Stripes caps for Independence Day. There's a common theme across the whole board there, so it's not like we need to pick one out. But what do you what do you think of the approach to these Fourth of July caps? Um, they're fine. I I get why they do them. It's fine. I just, anytime Major League Baseball tries to make this uniform thing, of everybody has the stars and the stripes in their logo, and everybody's wearing a blue hat or a red hat, and we all look the same, I just hate it. I, I enjoy, that's part of what I like about sports, is the unique uniforms, the creativity that these teams have, and their marketing people. This is the opposite of creativity. This is like when the Super Bowl graphic comes out. And I already know what it's going to look like before it comes out. Back in the day, an artist actually made a unique logo for that year's Super Bowl. And it was creative and different and changed over time. Now it's this same generic template every year. And honestly, Leland, like when you said, what do you think of it? Uh, I guess I'm surprised it looks as similar to the logo's as it does, because normally they make that look yeah. plain Jane. So, the so Toronto Blue Jays, point. by the way, not participating, which is at least makes somewhat sense, because if they had put the Stars and Stripes in the Toronto Blue Jays logo, I would have been confused. Um, I, I, You're hitting on my point. I appreciate that it's not crazy, that it's like it's, it's within form here, um, that it's not weird. And like sometimes with the all-star uniforms they have like oh just, those are they, terrible they try to take these shots that are just nuts and so I, I it's right in the zone here and i'm good with that they have on this website the difference between the 2018 and the 2023 
that's a similar approach to these hats. And I like this year's more because the ones in 18, it basically is like, here's a flag. We're going to overlay the letter on it. And there we go. So the, the stars are in the upper left of each um, logo this year. It's like they kind of, they had some creativity to it to where they applied the stars and where they had the bars and like on the Minnesota twins. It, I, I remember seeing it here a second ago. I want to find it again. Um, it was like. The T uh, is the stars and the, the C is stripes. Yeah. 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 I like how they applied it and they, Yankees, same thing. San Diego, same thing. Anything with two letters. There's there's the twin. Sorry. Uh, like they did apply some logic. The Milwaukee glove, the, you know, the thumb and the lower part of the hand is the stars. Like I like, I like that they went to that detail. If they're gonna do this, at least they applied some thought differently to the different hats. Uh so I like it better than 2018 is is my my best thing. Yeah. And, and well, you know, we were talking about logos and the hidden meanings in them. Like the Brewers is one. You talked about the thumb. That's actually the B that stands for Brewers, and then the glove is the M. That's for Milwaukee. I had, I think I remember that being said before, so I, I had forgotten. Now, what that. the Milwaukee Brewers didn't do is tell you that the middle glove finger is for the middle finger they give their fans every time they don't win the World Series. That's actually not a hidden meaning, but it's part of my problem. The Milwaukee Brewers did an M and a B in the shape of a glove because they play baseball. End of story. Not well. This portion of the thumb stands for, you know, this part of Wisconsin, which it can trace its days back to make the makers of cheese or whatever, like I care. And that's the other thing going back to this for a minute, since we're on uniform still, does anybody else looking at that damn Cleveland Browns dog give a flying bleep about half of what those things are? Or is it a major stretch to get there and therefore a waste of time? Considering it's a dog that none of us had ever seen before, like the dog. None of us will ever see again unless we are a Cleveland Browns fan and buy some super rare merch. All this is feeding is their their specific fans. It's like the Baltimore Royals City Connect jerseys. The City Connect jerseys for the Orioles, they were like, oh, well, this portion of this uniform means this, and this means that. And we did this color scheme here because it represents – the city of Baltimore's, you know, undying love for everyone. And I'm like, what the hell are we talking about? Like, I just don't just make a damn uniform that looks cool. End of story. Hey, we made this uniform. It looks cool. End. Stop. Not, well, you know, when you dig, it's like, you know, a, a guy who takes himself too seriously when he writes a book. And he's like, well, you know, or you're in that English class. And, well, you know, why did the... Why did the author use a red door in this story? What is this hidden semblance of the red door? It's a red door because the door needed to have a damn color. Like, why can't that be it? Why does everything have to have seven layers of bull crap piled on top of it? Just have it be, you know what the B in Baltimore stands for? We have to talk about in 11th grade English. You know what the B in Baltimore stands for? It stands for Baltimore. End. You know why we have Orioles written on the front? Because that's our damn name. And on that cheery note, folks, that will do it for us on this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. John Leonard will tell us where we were wrong and why hidden semblance in literature and uniforms means everything. I am sure. Um, but I like John. I like John, too. It might have <laughs> sounded like I don't when I said that. It could not be further from the truth. I do love John. 
And when John critiques us, I do always laugh. Um, but make sure, and if you love hidden semblance and logos or know of the hidden meaning in the V and the T at Virginia Tech and what each portion of the T stands for and each portion of the V stands for, be sure to comment on the link of this episode and tell us because I will look into it with a open heart and an open mind. I do love those parts of the pledge, but that will do it for us on this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. And you can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you don't miss another fun episode where we talk about nonsense like we did here in the D-Block or where we talk about local sports in a more serious manner like we did at the top of the show. As we get into the summer again, folks, if you have a just-for-fun topic that you want to hear us or want our opinion on, be sure to leave it in the comments or send it to Leland and I as well. We will put it on our list of things to talk about, and we will get to it because we have a long summer ahead of us of just an absolute desert here of local sports content where, again, we will do our best to keep up to date on the Valley League, but that seems like it's going to be more of a task this year than in the past. Until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Have a great week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.